Well, it's official. I did it. I've made it. This is episode 30 of Storyteller Station podcast. And according to Joanna Penn, if someone is podcasting and they reach the 30th episode, chances are the podcast is around to stay for a while at least. So I'm very excited to present to you the 30th episode of Storyteller Station Podcast. Fact or fiction, truth or fairy tale, we all have a story to tell. Welcome to Storyteller Station, dedicated to sharing stories for all who love to hear them and encouraging others to tell their stories with the belief in the power of story to change a person and ultimately change the world. I'm Sarah Fenlon-Falk, independent author, boy mom, entrepreneur, and your host on the Storyteller Station podcast. Welcome back to Storyteller Station. I'm so glad you're here, and I hope that whenever and wherever you're listening to this, that it is a beautiful day in your neighborhood. As for me, it is an overcast day as I record this, but that is all right. Sometimes those overcast days just give me the permission to stay inside, to relax a little bit, or to get like paperwork done that I otherwise wouldn't want to do if I could be outside in the sunshine. So here we are. Anyway, for today, I'm so excited to present to you the 30th episode of Storyteller Station Podcast. And I'm very excited for the upcoming days as I have a couple of interviews that I'll be sharing with you and just some more of my own stories to share and and just excitement around creating and writing, publishing, all of those things. So I really hope that in your world you are continuing to just believe in yourself, to let go, to create whatever is within you, because whatever you create will be great. The world needs your story. The world needs your creativity. The world needs whatever spark you bring to it. That's exactly what is required in this world. So please let your light shine. Tell your story. Paint your pictures. Take your photographs and then share them. We need to hear from you. For today, I'd like to talk about stereotypes or norms or things within our system. So let's talk about creativity, for instance. There are certain ways that writers view the art form of writing. There are certain ways that artists view the art form of painting or drawing or each modality has its own set of norms or stereotypes, etc. And so what I wanted to do today is kind of address some of those stereotypes that I kind of allowed 
to hold me back as a writer thinking, oh, I can't really call myself a writer or I can't say I'm an author because blank, because I don't fit into this stereotype. And so for you, whatever your creative expressive modality might be, just consider what things you may be holding on to that's holding you back from moving forward in your creative expression or even in just validating that creative expression for yourself, if that makes sense. So you might think, oh, I'm, I'm a poser or, you know, like I can't, it, it, that isn't really me because of these things. Well, we'd like to challenge those things today. So if you are a writer, an author, an independently published person, then this will probably work for you. If not, again, just think about your creative expression form and some of the things that might be norms in that area and how those, you know, kind of comparing yourself to those things, how that might be holding you back. Okay, so let's shake up some stereotypes, or I guess I, you could call them myth-busting, and let's get to it. So the first thing that I had to kind of come to terms with as a writer is the overarching, perhaps, generalization or, or assumption that all writers are introverts. Okay, I am not an introvert. <laughs> If I, I'm not an introvert, I can't, I can't express that enough. I'm very much an extrovert. And honestly, it wasn't until I married an introvert that I even realized I had an introverted side to me, like a part to me that actually needed solitude. I didn't believe in that for myself. Um, I prefer to be around people. I don't feel the need to be by myself. Well, I should say Historically, I haven't felt the need to be by myself. I think the older I've gotten and after having kids and and just being needed 24-7, I think that that helped to develop in me the recognition of the need for solitude. And so I, I, I believe that there is an aspect, a part of me that is an introvert, but not all writers are introverts. I love words. Words I, can make me cry. Words can make me laugh. They make me smile. And they, they reach my heart in a way that other forms of creative expression don't necessarily make it. They don't necessarily reach me there. So, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of my, how I connect into or kind of fit into the writing expression is that I could, I could even be like half of the time <laughs> I'll be out at a park or I'll be even sitting in church and around a bunch of people and, and inspiration hits, or I get this idea that hits. And so I'm writing it down and I'm, or I'm dictating it depending on where I am. And so I feel like I don't have to give that part of me up and and the writer the writer in me does not have to sacrifice either because because 
I can write or I can get those thoughts out even while I am in a group of people. Now, there is a place where where my writing does suffer um, for, as far as like living in me as an introvert or extrovert. So because I'm extroverted and probably because I'm a firstborn and have a, a, a tiny bit of a people-pleasing tendency <laughs> and anyone who knows me is laughing really hard right now because it's like way too obvious that I have a people-pleasing tendency. Um, so because of that, I have a hard time saying no to things. If people want to do something, I'm always like, yeah, I'm up for it. Or, you know, if they need something, I'm there. And so it's hard for me to say no to the social activities or to helping or doing. So in that way, the writing does suffer because I've had things on my to-do list, such as editing or writing, Oh, for a while. And sometimes I'll go back to my work in progress and Google Docs lets you know the last time you touched your document. And so sometimes that is <laughs> a little shaming for me because I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't touched this in six days. How is that even possible? So I think in that way, being an extrovert can impact the progress of writing. But as a whole, there is no reason why an extrovert can't be a writer. And, I, and I'm not saying that the stereotype is that extroverts can't be writers. The stereotype is that all writers are, ex, are introverts, and I am not. Okay, so I think we've covered that quite sufficiently. Okay, stereotype number two. And this kind of fits in with the first one. It's writing is a solitary job. So again, I think the actual act of writing is solitary. Yes. And depending on how you, what you require in your environment to write, some people can sit with their earbuds in and they're sitting in front of a movie with their family, but they're writing. I can't do that. I can't do that. I'm very distractible. I, and if something's on TV, I have to watch it. <laughs> so I, I, I technically can't do that. I think there have been moments where I've done it or I was like, wow, I actually, you know, whatever I went through and I took care of all of the grammatical errors in this thing. As long as it's not as long as it's something more um, functional rather than creative, I kind of can do that. But, but what I want to tackle here with writing as a solitary job, the yes, the actual act of writing, you have to do that. But if we're going to take that a step further and talk about publishing, and especially if you're independently published, there are a lot of people on your team. So for me, I, after I write my first draft, and we talked about this a little bit last episode, first drafts are ugly and they, they, they aren't super pretty. And so you have to, uh, you know, realize, okay, as long as I've, I've got all my points on the page, you know, then I can beef it up. So anyway, after you've got all your quote unquote points on the page, then you kind of call in some 
assistance. So for me, I go through and then I edit it myself and then I go in and I beef up the story and then I send it in segments to beta readers. And so if I didn't have my beta readers to tell me where the plot holes are or the questions they have or the things in the story that don't make sense, my story wouldn't be as as strong as it is after they've seen it and given me their feedback. So they're, they're a significant part of my team. After that, I go through, I implement all the changes needed and, you know, run another edit and then I send it to my editor. Then he takes care of it, sends it back to me, and then I go through and do another sweep. And so this thing, you know, you're going through it a number of times, but the point being, you have a number of people on your team um, because after my editor sends it back and I've got it all fixed up, then I send it to the designer. And I have someone who does some interior design and I have a cover designer. So, whew, you know, I've got a lot of people on my team. So writing, writing in and of itself, yes, you have to do that unless you're doing a you know, you're, unless you're, um, oh my gosh, I can't think of the word. Unless you're teaming up with someone, then yes, it is a solitary job. However, the independent publishing part of it is not solitary by any stretch of the imagination. So it can be as interactive and as solitary as you want it to be. Okay. Writers are all writers are introverts. Check. Writing is a solitary job. Check. The next stereotype is to be successful, you must write every day. Okay, so I really struggled with this one as well because I, if I'm technical, I could say that I quote unquote, write every day. But really what that means is if I have an idea, I jot it down. If I even think of like a conversation between two characters, I will dictate that into the notes feature on my phone and then bring it home and plug it into my manuscript when I get here. So I guess if you want to be technical, I could say I do write every day, but I, I'll be honest, I'm a much better batch writer. So for instance, if I know that I've got one or two days in a month where I'll just be able to, you know, get lost at the bookstore or the library or something like that and just write, that's a lot. I can get a lot farther that way than I can trying to set aside a half hour, an hour, two hours every day to write. And I've heard it said, you know, some amazing people, well, even two episodes ago, um, Jonathan Rand, my interview with Jonathan Rand, and he was telling us that he gets up at 3 a.m. every morning to write. And that, to me, is incredible. Because if I wake up at 3 a.m., I'm incredibly delirious and cannot, I can barely even walk a straight line. 
And, you know, so I can't imagine, you know, having myself get up at 3 a.m. every day to, to actually try to write something like that would be legible or, you know, understandable, <laughs> coherent. So there you have it. To be successful, you might must write every day. I'm not sure that it needs to be every day, but you must know, you must write. Yes, you must write. To be a successful writer, you must write. <laughs> but figuring out the best way for you to get the words on the page and how you can be most productive, I think that's, that's the key. So figuring out the best way for you to write. Okay. All writers are introverts, not me. Writing is a solitary job, not necessarily. To be successful, you must write every day. Eh, to be successful, you must write. Okay, next stereotype. To be a good writer, you must read a lot. So I, again, struggled with this one because I've had a love-hate relationship with reading all my life. I remember some of the books when I was younger that I I would latch on to like maybe a few books and just read them and reread them. And you really had to like talk me into opening my heart and mind up to other books because I just loved the ones I loved so much. And so if you want to say to be a good writer, you must read a lot of variety then perhaps I wouldn't have fit into that stereotype. Again, I knew what I liked and I didn't want to, to kind of stray from that or, or move around a lot. And there was a time in my life where I just didn't want to read at all. I, I preferred to write. Like, let me write you a story, not read you a story. So again, on and off throughout my life, I have enjoyed reading more than at other times. And I know some people who can, who just read all the time. Like my sister-in-law, and she's amazing. She can be sitting in the living room with like five conversations going on at a family function and she's reading her book. And I'm like, man, I wish I could do that. I, I probably would read more if I wasn't so distractible because I, as long as I could be sitting with everyone, that would like feed my extroverted spirit probably. And then I could, you know, get some reading done, which would feed my, my creative spirit. But I don't work that way. So I just read when I can and especially when I feel the urge. Also, I think a little tag onto this is... And this could possibly be another stereotype, but this is like, this is a, a criticism across the board, I guess, where I listen to a lot of audiobooks, and some people say, yeah, that's not reading. But then others say, oh yeah, that counts. That's reading. So I guess depending on which, which side of the line you fall, <laughs> you might say, oh yeah, Sarah, you read a lot. Or, oh, wow, you rarely ever read. <laughs> so, um, I like I said, if I had the time, I would most definitely read from a book a lot more. 
I love having the book in my hand. I love seeing the words and I love how the sentences come together. But I feel like I can get that same sense of like passion and love for the words if I'm hearing them being read to me or if I'm reading them myself. And there have been times where I've listened to an audiobook and I'm like, okay, I have to own that book and I have to read it for myself. I need to see those words with my own eyes. So, so there's that. To be a good writer, you must read a lot. Oh, you must read and maybe a variety, but a lot, I guess that term goes, you know, there's some variance to that. So as long as you're reading and, and paying attention to what you love about what you're reading and how you can implement it into your craft, I think that that's, that's your path to being a good writer. Okay, next stereotype. There is an ideology or a, a miss, I don't want to say misunderstanding. It's not a misunderstanding. It's a myth that there, it's the myth of the starving artist. Let's just say it that way. The myth of the starving artist. So there's this ideology or this idea that if you are an artist, if you are creative, then you will be poor. And I have listened to enough podcasts and heard Joanna Penn say it enough times and, and others, um, Mark Dawson for one, but others say that this is not the case, of course, and that they are making multiple six-figure incomes from their writing. And so for me, I just try to remember that that I don't, this doesn't have to be, number one, it doesn't have to be relegated to a hobby. Like I don't have to be like, okay, well, I write on the side or, you know, it's just, it's just something I do when I've got a little extra time. Cause I'm, I'm like in the middle of a, a nine book series and I, I'd like to get that done because I've got more series kind of planned out. So to me, that that kind of speaks to more than just a hobby. And if I can say, number one, this isn't relegated to a hobby. Do I enjoy it? Oh, yeah, I love it. But it's going to be more than a hobby. And it's okay for me to say that I would like to make money with my writing. So if I'm going to do that, then that kind of changes my mentality. Number one, not relegating this to a hobby shows and kind of like speaks into my heart and mind, like, listen, you're taking this seriously. This means something to you. And number two, if I'm, if I'm saying, yeah, I would like to make money on it, then it also continues to speak to, yes, there's value in this and people other than your family will want to read it. So that is kind of moving out of that starving artist mentality or ideology where you do not have to be poor and if if you decide to be a creative whether you're writing whether you're an artist a painter a sculptor a photographer that it, it you don't have to be 
poor to, you know, practice your, your creative art. So that's, that's that myth blown out of the water, that ideology. And if you listen to enough podcasts, again, like thecreativepen.com or self-publishing school with Chandler Bolt or self-publishing formula with Mark Dawson, you will hear all of them talk about the fact that you don't, I mean, you can make money with your writing. It's knowing how to get there. So we have addressed some very prominent stereotypes in the writing world. Writers are introverts. Writing is a solitary job. To be successful, you must write every day. To be a good writer, you must read a lot. And there's that nagging, starving artist mentality or ideology that we just tackled. If you can think of any other stereotypes or myths that you've wrestled with in your creative expression, please feel free to leave me a message. You can do that anywhere that you listen to podcasts. If you'd like the show notes from today or you would like to connect in other ways, please visit my website, sarahfenlinfalk.com. And feel free to leave a message, check out the show notes, all those good things. There are, there's also the backlist there. And you can join the Nation of Creators on Storyteller Nation Facebook group. As always, I hope that you were encouraged or inspired in some way in the podcast episode today. And until we meet again next week at Storyteller Station, In your life this week, my friends, create something great.